Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the best place to get your Cal United fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. On today's episode we'll be reviewing the 3-0 defeat of Bristol Rovers that cost Chris Beach his job, looking ahead to a tough class against a resilient Trammy Rovers side and bringing more reaction on the hunt to find Beach's successor as Blue's boss. It's the first time you've been on, Mike, isn't it? Since uh, Beach lost his job, isn't it? Because I forgot yeah. to play the clip you sent me <laughs> with your thoughts on the thing. So you get a chance in a minute to talk about it. But I suppose, quick sort of initial thoughts, right decision? Yeah, the writing was on the wall, really, wasn't it? Um, I mean, there was a couple of games in the season that you were thinking, is this going to be the one where he goes? And he didn't. And you can only have so many of them, can't you? And it's the right decision in the end. And I'm I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic going into the, the Tranmere game than I think I would have been if he was still here. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll cover that later in the show. But uh, let's get straight into the news because there's a few little bits to pick up actually before we have a little chat about the whole manager searching. I've got a couple of uh, fans views that I've had sent in to me as well that I'm going to include as well in that section. Um, first up, <coughs> I mean, just a, a minor bit of sort of covering something that was actually on last week's episode. Uh, United and Sutton have both been uh, fined £1,000 by the FA after failing to control their plays in the clash at Gander Green Lane last month. United have accepted the charge. But Sutton contested it, and yet we both got exactly the same fine. So, kind of pointless, really, isn't it? But we ne- we never mentioned it in our Sutton post match, did we? Uh, it, I mean, it, it was not, it was nothing really, was it? It was a little bit of handbags. Was, yeah, a couple of players went down, didn't they? But Some, it was like something must have been said somewhere in there, possibly. I don't yeah. know, but there you go. Um, but well, I think that, I think I think we're doing another fine, aren't we, from the Bristol game? Well, yes, we've got I've got that down in the uh, Bristol mm. review section. So yeah. yeah, although that was that, that was as unjust as it gets. But there you go. Um, mm. Bit of transfer news, Mike. We've got a keeper. Uh, Mark Howard, experienced shot stoppers, signed on a short-term deal until the new year to cover for the injured Magnus Norman. Um, Howard, he, he's a name I think a lot of fans will probably recognise, won't they? He's been been about, he's done his uh, yeah. done his bit. He started out at Arsenal, I think, get a spell in Scotland on loan, and then he's been at a lot of other clubs. Last season, he was at Scunthorpe, but he's also had really good spells at Sheffield United, St Mirren, Bolton and Blackpool. Um, we think initially... He's probably cover for Lucas Jensen, isn't he? He's 35 years old, so yeah. I think he, he, he's one of those ones for him. He's happy to come in and be the, the backup. Um, it's weird that he's older than our keeper coach. Like I, I think it's yeah. weird having you know yeah, older players than the coach and stuff. That is a, that is a, a, a very strange one, to say the least. It's, um, it, it's one of those ones you look and you think, well, why didn't we go for him in the summer? <laughs> mm. If we... You know, I, I don't get why we were so desperate to get a young keeper in on loan, and when I mean, you could have gone the other way and got an experienced keeper who's quite happy to be back up. It's a, it's an odd decision, isn't it? But there you go. Mm. But uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, Mark and place by, by looks of things. Um, Adam Smith, who was on trial a couple of weeks ago, looks like he's uh, left the club now. By the looks of things, so mm. there you go. Um, the Barrow game next month, Mike. The kickoff has changed for this. Mm. Yes, so uh, United's clash against Cumbria neighbours Barrow. Which is on Saturday, the 13th of November. The kickoff has been brought forward from 3 pm to 1 pm on police advice. I'm a bit 
bit miffed about this, to be honest, because it's um, it's very lucky. I was very close a, few, a couple of weeks ago to booking train tickets to come up for this. Mm. But I was a little bit on the fence that I might drive it in the end because I need to come up for the weekend to come anyway. As it is, I didn't book the train tickets, and I'm glad I didn't because if I had, it would have been a bit of a rush to get to the game, potentially, because mm. I would have been potentially looking at tickets that got me in around about one o'clock. Yeah. they were the cheaper but, ones. Exactly. And people will have booked train yeah. tickets, you know, uh, both Carlisle and Barrow fans. Yeah, because I can imagine a lot of Barrow fans have actually probably booked it, so they get the train to Lancaster and the Lancaster up to Carlisle, because mm. it work, probably works out quicker than going up the coast line. Mm. I know there's some talk that the police are trying to arrange with Northern to put on a, a football special, effectively, to mm. take people direct all the way from Barrow up to Carlisle. But even then, it's a, it's a hell of a journey on that, that yeah. coastline. I've done it a few times from, like, Workington and Whitehaven, it's not much fun doing it from there. Never mind mm. doing it all the way, all the way up the coast. Yeah. So, but it, but I mean, it, it's inevitable. To be honest, bringing the kickoff time forward. But I mean, like when they released the fixture list, it was like only a few days after that were like, oh, Rochdale, that needs to be an early kickoff. Yeah, well, and Northampton, like, Northampton game got moved literally about three weeks after the thing. Yeah, that's usually when it all gets done. The police yeah. have known this is coming. And I know there's talk. Oh, we need staffing support and stuff. It's like, come on. We're not mm. stupid. You just don't want people drinking in the, in, in Carlisle before the game. Yeah, exactly. You want to re- reduce the amount of time that a thousand odd Barrow fans have to, to get drunk. Yeah. That's essentially what it is. But yeah. all you've done is give them more time after the game, potentially, unless you're going to herd them all the way down to the mm. train station. And not everyone's going to be travelling by train, are they? So No, exactly. It's it's a frustrating one, to say the least. Um, before we get on to the manager bit, it um, should be noted that the FA Cup draw takes place uh, this Sunday on ITV for the first round. Uh, I think it's about one o'clock-ish, round about. If you look at the TV schedules, it'll be in there. So yeah. United find out who their first-round opponents are going to be. So, to be honest, if we're not going to get a nice, a nice weird non-league round away or something like that, I don't want either non-league game, non-league team at home, or Wigan away because I've never done Wigan. So yeah, that's literally that's, that's how I work out how I want these. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. every year I threaten my mate who's at Lancaster, like, oh, I hope we get you in the first round at home so that. The paddock can just roast you for ninety minutes, and it hasn't happened this year. Quite early, I think. Yeah, yeah, they didn't even qualify for the first round this year. But yeah, so I I don't even know what decent non-league trips there potentially are this year. But yeah, I guess we'll see on Sunday. There'll be some interesting ones, I'm sure. (coughs) Um, Okay, well, let's talk about the uh, the continued manager search then, Mike. Um, Come on, then let's let's have a bit of your say in terms of. Obviously, you've sort of touched at the start of the show about the fact that you think it's the right decision. I, I think personally that we'll we'll touch we'll get onto the Bristol Rovers game in a short while, but I think those two late goals is what's killed him. I think if we lose yeah. that game one 0 it's tight. Yeah, you might you might have been given this week as well, but mm. just the way we collapse cost him. And right decision, I think. And and what what do you think we need to do in terms of looking for the new boss? Yeah, well, because a few people are saying experienced head, and I, I do understand where they're coming from, but, like, we really haven't... I mean, in the past 30 years, honestly, I think Ian Atkins and John Sheridan are the only experienced heads who have actually done a good job for us. And even Atkins, I mean, I know he had a, didn't have the best of squads to work with, but we still only finished third bottom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, but, I mean, it was a miracle given that team, but... Um, yeah, because I mean, even yeah. Keith Curl had been out of work, well, out of management roles for about mm. probably about ten, twelve years. Oh no, seven, eight years, I think, when he came to mm. us. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, and you know, even then, did Curl do a good job with the resources that he had at his disposal? You know, that's initially a maybe, debate I think for another day. Once maybe, he was but... given a bit of money, I think that's when it started to go a bit. 
Yeah, Bang yeah. Up, didn't you? Um, but like a lot of our ma- best managers, Mick Wadsworth, Mervyn Day, Paul Simpson, no experience whatsoever. You know? So, uh, so yeah, um, so yeah. I mean, going into it, I mean, for me, I want mine the sort of because there seems to be a experienced head or no experience at all. But there is like a third way, like option where you can have sort of someone who's been in coaching jobs before. Like Chris Beach did, um, you know, and or even someone like North of the Border who hasn't been in England before. Just, I just don't want someone off that merry-go-round, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm in agreement with you. That I don't want to just picking up someone who's been in four or five <coughs> jobs and maybe knows the division, but hasn't had a particular high level of success. Um, I mean, let's have a quick look here, Mike. Some of the, the, the I've picked out some of the. Um, in fact, before we get on to actually talking these names, if you were going to pick five people you'd want to see interviewed for the job, who would you pick? Do you reckon off the top of your head? Well, it is it's hard to pick five because, like I say, I wouldn't mind just getting some like obscure coach who, like, mm-hmm. his name won't even be in the bookies. You know what I mean? Because he's a coach and not a manager. Just after his first gig, I mean, Danny Granger for me definitely. Um, because he did a good job at Workington and he seems to be, you know, getting uh, to grips with what's going on north of the border, which is something that we've always said that we need to do more of. Um, and, you know, he, he knows the club, um, definitely, you know, for me, he should be up there. And with regards to everyone else, it's just a case of, yeah, just I'd rather we pluck people out of nowhere than the names yeah. that everyone's heard of, you know. I mean, I, I've had a, a five I've had written down for a while mm. and I've, I've tweaked and changed it as I've gone along. The five I've gone for, Danny Granger is one of them. I think mm. at the very least speak to him and see see yeah. where he's at and have a, have a feel for whether he's the right person. Um, Paul Furwell, done a really good coaching yeah, job at Harrogate. Very well respected there. If you, if you watch the BT Sport dec- documentary about Harrogate Town, he comes across very, very well in that, I have to say. So um, some of their fans seem to think that it's like their success is more Thurwell than mm. uh, the other guys. Well. It's almost like Weaver's almost like borderline manager slash chief executive, isn't he? Mm. He effectively oversees the whole thing. He's very much a bigger thing in that sense, whereas Thurwell concentrates on the coaching and yeah. the tactics. I think that's the way they look at it. But, but you said the other day, didn't you, his location is based down there, isn't it? Yes, and, and he's contracted to 2024, exactly, I think, as well. Yeah. So that, that would potentially be an issue. And paying, a in there, paying money for for someone is something that we do very, very rarely, isn't it? Not, that, not against it if there's a clause in there. You know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not against it, yeah. But, I mean, it's not something that we uh, do very often. Yeah. But, I mean, there, there could be a clause, because often it's with coaches when it comes to managers' jobs. Yeah. John McGreal? I'm, again, for someone who, he was, he's obviously only had one management job. Let's not count Swindon because that was just a, <laughs> that was a mess in the summer. You can't mm. even look consider what happened there. Colchester, he's heavily involved in terms of their their, their plan over the last few years has always been developing young players, hasn't he? Mm. So he's got a good a good grasp of how to get them into the first team. Did a pretty decent job there. Not the the, the biggest budget in the world. Managed to get them into the. Uh, Playoffs, I think, last season, was it? No, last See, season, I, season four. I thought they did have a decent budget, to be honest with I you. I think it's not like a budget that blows away every team in the yeah. division, though. To be fair, they've been heavily reliant on producing young players over the last few years. Yeah. Because the, their owners definitely cut back a bit. <coughs> but, you know, he, he's done a pretty decent job there. And 
yeah, if you're going to go for somebody who knows the division, I would not be against him. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's the guy that Holdsworth's talking about when he says he's going to speak to someone down south. Because I know he's mm. from Liverpool originally, but he's been living mm. down there for quite a while. Mm. So I do wonder if he's the one he's mentioned there. Um, who else? David Unsworth. Everton, yeah. I know he's applied for the job in the past, an under-23 coach, mm. good at working with young players. And he'd know a lot of good sort of under-23s cast-offs that we could potentially get our teeth into. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and one from the sort of left field, one you sort of mentioned an, an idea of, not him, but you mentioned that idea of someone from Scotland. Mm. Not Peter Murphy, no, Alan Johnston, Queen of the mm. South, just up the road. Done a good, I mean, if you look at his win percentage... Outside of his spell at Kilmarnock, it's pretty good. Mm. <laughs> he's done a really good. He, he's won, I think he's won promotion with Queens on what when his first season as manager, which got him the Kilmarnock job. It was a bit of a mess there. I think they sold a player who he didn't want to sell, and he ended up leaving. Um, he then went to Dunfermline. He won them promotion. I think I don't know if it was the title or was with a through the playoffs from League One up to the Championship in Scotland, and then he's made the Championship playoffs. I think two or three times like that, I think, mm. with Dunfermline as well, until he left, and then he obviously he's now back at Queen's and he's doing okay again. Well, I'm just reading here, his first stint at Queen's, he had a 74.47% win ratio. That's over one season, well, it's not like one way down <laughs> know, right? three or four games, that's a whole season, so he's done. Yeah. He's a, he's a good manager, he, he, I think he's yeah. shown that. He's one of those ones that you do wonder if, it, if someone suggested he's a Scottish lifer, basically, he's stuck around the Scottish lower leagues and that for now. But, mm. I have a feeling he's applied for the job in the past, you know. Mm. I think he might have been when he was in charge of Dunfermline. I think possibly when, even when Presley got the job or when Beach mm. got the job. I'm fairly sure he's applied for it in the past. Mm. But he, yeah, he's definitely one of the interesting. I mean, there's, there's other names. I mean, Peter Murphy, I think, is another one who's probably worth speaking to at the very least. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't get why a lot of our fans are dead against this idea of bringing someone in who used to play for the club. We're not saying that's the only way you should look. But no. there is no harm in looking at a player, someone who's actually been at the club before. Because mm. they'll have a grasp of the club. They'll know what the fans like. They'll know what winds up the paddock and stuff like that. They'll have a grasp of what the club's about. Mm. There's, and that is that is not a bad you know thing to have in your locker. No, I mean, look, not. To take a look at in our division, or in last season in our division, at Newport you've got Mike Flynn. Mm. Now he had no management experience before he got the job at yeah. Newport. He'd done a load of like backroom jobs, he did a few coaching jobs, but he'd done like, mm. yeah, I think he'd been like marketing manager and, and ambassador yeah. and stuff like that at Newport in the past. You know, he knew what the club was about and look what he managed to achieve. To, Mike to Duff, be fair, Cheltenham as well. Flynn's been mentioned a few times and I kind of see with him almost a parallel with Chris Beach. And mm. he came in when the club was a bit of a basket case, turned them into promotion contenders and then it kind of fell apart and he got sacked. But then again, he's kept them up there for a few seasons rather than he, he has, yeah, season, yeah. The thing. And I think um, but at, he, at he's the never same time, far off, to be fair. No, I don't think he would. And at the same time, they were never renowned for playing nice passing football, which no. is. But at the same time, with the state of the pitch down there, I don't think you could. No, of ever course play not. Nice and I think he had football. he had big issues with that and a few other things behind the scenes at Newport towards the yeah. end. And and uh, yeah, and as I mentioned, I was going to mention there, Mike Duff at Cheltenham. He, <coughs> he he basically knew what Cheltenham was about. He never managed before. He, I think he coached in the academy at Burnley. Mm. Made a big step up to be manager at Cheltenham, and he got what the club was about. Yeah, I mean they play quite direct football, but Cheltenham have always played fairly direct football. Mm. Mm. I mean, remember the, the the old days of Steve Cotterill when he was in charge there? Mm. They were a very direct side back then. Mm. 
So it does help sometimes just to have someone in who, who has a yeah. grasp of it. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And actually, when you look back at it, people talk as if we've done this in the past. We haven't really. When you look no. at it, I mean, Simpson got the job when he was already here as a coach, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah or not as a player, sorry. He'd as been a as player, a player yeah. for a few months. Kavanagh got the job having been coach for several years. He was more mm. of a sort of step up, like a Gav Skelton almost stepping yeah. up. It, it, it's not, it doesn't happen that often with us. I don't, I don't see what there's a problem with somebody who's gone away and learned about other clubs and other things who could bring new it, ideas to the club. In fact, the only one that I can think of that did that was Neil MacDonald. And te- I mean, technically with that one, you're exactly. the because he left as yeah. a 14-year-old, 15-year-old. So. <laughs> yeah. so yeah, no, it's nothing wrong with someone going away and learning a bit and then coming back with these new ideas to a club that they understand. I think there's there's a lot of merit to that idea. And yeah, some definitely. of the some of the other names out there. I mean, Paul Tisdale's down there. I'd look, I wouldn't mind him coming up, but I don't think he's going to come this far. He, he likes no, living in Bath. So. He's quite yeah. happy with his lifestyle. Yeah. Um. I mean, Gav Skelton's coming quite in because of some of the comments Holdsworth mentioned today, which we'll we'll get onto in a minute. But... To be fair, you can get odds of like twenties on Skelton if we win the next game or two. Them odds are going to absolutely well, plummet. Like I, I can update you live here, Mike. It's now five mm. to one on Skelton. Oh, is it? <laughs> probably, probably because of what Holdsworth said today. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you look through some of the names. Michael Bridges is odds haven't come in enough, and I know Lummy champions him, and I understand that, but I, mm. I just can't see that one happening. He's not. No. Be, I think he'd be mad to move to take on the job. Fair play if he wants it, but and you've got Keith Hill in there. I mean, Keith Hill's not going to take the job, but his mate's just been sacked from it, is he? I no. can't see him being the kind of person no. who would do that. And then the other names, but you've got Mark Fell, who's the manager of Lancaster's in the odds. He's not <laughs> going to get it. Jamie Milligan, who's manager of Bamber Bridge. Basically, mm. they've put their CV in, told the mates to put the CV in, and the mates have put a fiver on them. That's yeah. essentially what those ones are. Yeah. But then you look down through the rest, and like, there's, there's much of a muchness with a lot of the names in there, really. I yeah. Don't see many but of them getting To be fair, the past few appointments, we, we've kind of dodged a lot of the names that are in the betting, haven't we? Because uh, yeah. Keith Curl was infamously thirty-three to one when you uh, mm. put your bet on. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Chris Beach. I don't think was even in the betting at all uh, um, until, until came like out of nowhere, didn't he? Yeah, he? exactly. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting how we do it. I mean, uh, Holdsworth has said that he's not afraid to spend money on someone, um, but it isn't a route that we traditionally go down, is it? But at the same time, we don't traditionally go down that route, and we're what third bottom, so. Maybe we need to do something different. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I'm, I'm, go. Let's talk quickly then about some of the comments that uh, Holter made today. Um, not overly impressed with some of the stuff he said. Actually, some interesting stuff, some fair stuff in there. But he's banging on about you know Beach will learn about which plays he can trust and stuff. And said he's mm. had words with some players this week and so they haven't done enough. Chris, the problem with you doing that is you're instantly having the fans going. I wonder which player that was then. Yeah, exactly. And, but fans are already speculating, and I've heard a few mm. names. But you don't know. You haven't got mm. a clue, and that's un- I think that's unfair on the whole squad if you're going to do that. Yeah. It, it's not right, and I think he should have really fought twice about saying that. Some of the yeah, other exactly. stuff he said in the thing, he said about the fact that whoever comes in needs to know our players. Some people are taking that far too literally and need to calm down a little bit. They're taking mm. it, oh, well, that definitely means Gavin Skelton's getting the job. That's not what he means by it. He means someone who knows the league, who has a good, who basically <clears throat> take, can take a look. So I understand, I know Zach Clough, I know what he's like as player, I know Callum Guy, I know basically someone who has a good understanding of the squad and can show that in their interviews. Yeah. Not someone who comes in, well, I'm going to be a great coach and that, all right, but what do you know about the players we've got? Because mm. you're not going to be able to make huge changes to the squad, are you, at the end mm. of the day? 
So that's what it is. Don't get overexcited. And think, oh, yeah, if Gav Skelton wins the next three games, 5 nil, of course he's going to get the job. Yeah. They'd be, they'd be mad not to <laughs> if mm. that happened. But this isn't a case of Holdsworth saying it's Gav's to lose. He's basically just saying, and all the other stuff saying, oh, Gav's doing all the right things this week. That's just keeping the confidence. That's just keeping it positive. Because we've got yeah. three big games in the next week that we need to get points out of to get ourselves away from the bottom. So don't mm. don't get overexcited with, with the first thing I'd say to people. I, I don't think Gav's going to get the job. That's my personal opinion. I think, they underst- I think they've got a decent understanding. Unless we win the next three games comfortably, they've got a decent understanding of what the fans' reaction would be to something like that. So mm. it's not worth getting your knickers in a twist about, is it really? I don't think. No. Um, but yeah, I, I I have a feeling, you, you, I think I agree with you, I think it's going to be a name out the left field, possibly. Mm. That's what I can see happening. Um, I've got a couple of fans' views that I asked, basically a couple of people I know, I asked them to give us some some of their views on uh, the change in manager and who they think should get the job or what the, the club should do. Um, first up is a, a person both you and me know well, uh, Mike, Greg Bullman, he's given me his uh, views. I haven't listened to this yet, so uh, here's Greg's views on the manager change. Hello, Lee. This is Greg from Bullman's Bay Reviews on YouTube, a fellow Carlisle United season ticket holder. My initial thoughts when I'm hearing that Beach has been sacked, I wasn't surprised. The football hasn't been the best this season. We've been pretty poor and we haven't created a lot of chances. The results haven't improved at all. It's not good seeing a man lose his job, um, but my biggest concerns here are the people that are going to be making the decisions to replace him. I think the f- there needs to be a full review of everybody who's involved in the recruitment process, from the manager right up to the top. And I think QOSC need to ask a few questions surrounding the recruitment process um, and the interview process going forward. Who would I like to get in? If we're going to go for an ex-player, I'd maybe go for Danny Granger. I think he would be a good shout. He's uh, he's done very well in his uh, short time he's been a coach. Um, Zigor Arnaldi would be a, a nice one, but I can't see him coming up here. Um, from the people who go on the, the regular managerial merry-go-round, um, I suppose I would probably go for Tisdale or Sol Campbell. Um, I think he gets a raw deal, but... He did a very good job at Macclesfield and nobody was going to do a good job at Southend. So they would be my early shouts for the job. On to the next one. I'll have to edit out that uh, little plug that Greg gave himself there. Cheeky little <laughs> sod. Um, no, I'll leave it in. Yeah, go look at his beer reviews. Actually quite good on YouTube. Very entertaining. Um, interesting shouts there. Saul Campbell. A bit of a... I mean, I do wonder if we still got the whole Rooney Reel thing where we agreed to interview one... BAME uh, yeah, candidate, maybe. possibly, so you never know, mm. he might be the one. But what if none of them apply? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the problem. I'm sure someone will apply. And, yeah. you know, someone like Joby McEnough, maybe, you know, did an okay job at Leighton mm. Orient towards the end of last season, might go for it. Who knows? Um, yeah, interesting views there from Greg, uh, as ever. Uh, I've got another one here from uh, Chris Gibson. Uh, Chris is one of the moderators on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group that we all post on. So here's Chris's views on the change. Hi, fellas. Just to quickly give me views on the Chris Beach situation, I think, um, unfortunately, it was time for him to go. Um, I'm not one for calling for the manager's head uh, for the sake of it, but it had plenty of time and his tactics didn't seem to fit the team we had this season. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I think it was time for a change. As for who I'd like to see come in, well, I'd love to see someone like Danny Granger get the job, but it might be a little bit of risk because of his lack of experience. And I think we need to make this appointment 
a good one, the right one, because uh, the wrong appointment could see us in some serious trouble. Michael Bridges would have been brilliant, but I can't see him leaving his job in Australia. Um, one name that did uh, pop up from a very depressing list, I thought, was Sean Derry, who's got a few years' manager experience in our level, around our level, um, and is currently um, in charge of the under-23s at Crystal Palace. So if we could persuade him, I don't think that would be the worst appointment in the world. Um, experience of working with younger players, uh, is bound to have a good contact list from his five, six hundred odd league appearances around around the leagues. But yeah, unfortunately for Chris Beach, time for a change. Well, there you go, that's uh, Chris's views. Thanks Chris for sending those in. Interesting one there, Sean Derry as well, he's got a bit of experience at this level. Yeah, I think he's had Greg Abbott as his assistant has, on yeah, more than one occasion times, as well, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> that'd be interesting. It would, it would be nice. I mean, to be honest, it's one of these things I was looking at think also if he's director of football. I think if Greg Abbott was director of football, I think a lot of our fans would be a bit happy because <laughs> he was quite good yeah. at recruitment and stuff. So well, it's, yeah, it's, a strange it's, it, it? it's funny, really. I mean, because some directors of football, they do more of the identifying players and sign mm-hmm. them, and the manager doesn't get as much of a say in sort of what players come in. The manager will just sort of say to, to him, I want a striker, and the director of football goes out and looks. And I feel like Chris Beach would be good at that. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? Because his ability to identify a player... You know, you can't question, but it's his ability to get the players to play well is maybe where it was, uh, where it all fell apart. Yep, definitely. So yeah, thanks for to both Chris, sorry Chris and uh, Greg for sending their views to me for that. Uh, we might try and get a few more views before uh, next week, one of next week's episodes. Um, but yeah, there you have it. That's where we are at the moment. Uh, it sounds like they're just sort of narrowing it down at the moment to get some interviews sorted for next week. Possibly it's frustrating that we've got a midweek game, isn't it? I think that's probably causing a bit of issue, but. All I'd say to that is, well, Holdsworth doesn't have to go to Newport to see. You can yeah. always send someone else there, can't you? And, <laughs> and just, you know, let the manager and the coach get on with it on that day. But uh, Yeah, but he's brought a brand new turtle net sweater for the occasion, so he's, he, he doesn't want to keep that, that hope He's got his COVID draw. pass, though, for Newport, because you need that to oh, get yeah. there, don't you? Mm. Wales having different view- rules to us. We'll cover that in next week's uh, thing. Um, yeah, I think that covers the manager stuff, doesn't it, Mike, really? Mm. It's... Uh, it's one of those ones that's quite exciting, isn't it, when a, a new manager's been appointed and obviously when the new name comes in, you know, things can change. You never know what's going to happen, so... Yeah, I mean, at, at the minute with odds, we're still in the take an application stage, so, yeah. you, you know, nobody is going to know anything with regards to, oh, he's got a second interview, so his odds, you know, everyone's in kind of the same boat at the minute who's who's applying, so, yeah, I'd ignore the bookies for uh, a good week or two and then any movements could potentially be more because people know something that we don't. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see over the next few weeks. Like I said, the, the odds at the moment, I think both Bet, Bet Victor and William Hill, as I speak, have taken the odds off their website. Mm. You can't actually back anything. That's probably because McGreal's been backed very heavily by someone on both of those markets. Sky Bet still got theirs up, so McGreal's one to three on for the job, mm. which is a little bit of a surprise, but then clearly maybe someone's been talking there and saying, oh, he's in for it, so... Yeah, I mean, they do sometimes just take the odds off just to sort of see what's going on, and then they put them back on after a few hours. Yeah. So it's not out of the ordinary. No, it's not necessarily surprising. Is it? Okay, well, let's get on to the match for you then, Mike. We're not going to cover it in as much detail, because we've kind of sort of covered stuff about the fact that mm. the beach is gone, haven't we? So uh, Bristol Rovers 3, Cal United 0, that 
rotten run of form continues. That's now is it one win in nine, I think it is. That result brings mm. Beach's reign as head coach to an end. <coughs> um, it, oh, once again, six or seven and forty, wasn't it? It's, it's something ridiculous like yeah. that. It's 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 not good, basically. Mm. Um, once again, United's actually started this game arguably looking the better side with an improved performance, but they faded badly and inexplicably switched off when Rovers went down to ten men due to an injury and ended up conceding a a, a goal and then score remained tight for much of the game, but into the last five minutes, United never looked like scoring and that leg collapse. The three 0 mm. meant it was good night, Irene, for Beach's spell in the hot seat, wasn't it? So, mm. yeah, just not a not a great game all around, really, was it? In terms of result, I don't know if you actually watched this one, Mike, because it was obviously on yeah, the I did. Follow. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it was weird because early on we looked like we looked at a bit of a threat on the break. It was almost reminiscent of some of the games last season under Beach, where we we were getting the ball forward and quickly, and it was it, we were having a good effect, mm. but we were get, keeping the ball on the on the ground generally, mm. but. The only real chance of those stages, actually, when you look back at it now, was that sort of one that from Clough that was blocked, and then from the follow-up, Dickinson had a really good right foot shot that he nearly caught the keeper out because he played it around the defender, but he just made, managed to make a save, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, I mean, we didn't test the keeper a great deal, did we? But I mean, it's it's funny because some people have said, "Oh, you know, we tried to play a little bit of football," like, and I'm not disagreeing with them because we did, but. How many times did we actually string like seven or more passes together? No, nah, not enough. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, like nowhere near enough. We, nowhere we've near become enough. that accustomed to long balls, stringing stringing like three passes together is like you know <laughs> peak Barcelona. The pressing thing is there was a video came up. I think of a, a goal Macaulay yeah. Gillespie scored against under Morgan. Sheridan. Under Sheridan wasn't it? In the mm. it would have been the checker trade trophy that was back then mm. and it's a, like we must have passed it it was what, 23 passes something like that was it something mad like Deft. that yeah and then he hammers it in the bottom corner and you look at that and you think it's depressing actually what mm. we've been doing for this exactly. last 11 games this season and mm. yeah it's it's you know we've got a squad that is capable of actually playing football they just need to be coached a bit better <coughs> I think, at the moment That's yeah the and that, that was the thing as well it was so often when like sort of midfielders had the ball and the strikers, like, no one was coming short for it. Mm. Everyone was just miles away. And then the midfielders would just lump it forward and, you know, would be on the receiving end again. So it's like they didn't know how to play possession football. Like, mm. And no one was on the same wavelength with it either. No. Um, let's talk about the goals then. Opening goal, I mean, just, just sloppy defending all around, wasn't it, really? And yeah. I know a lot of people said, oh, the big issue was armour getting done on the uh, on the wing by the, the big lad up front. I can't remember his name is now. Um, it was divine, wasn't it? Is it the other side? No, this is the same. People, people say initially the problem was that uh, Armour got done on the left, but actually the ball took a long time to get over to the right to divine. Mm. And then when you watch it, I mean, divine, he just doesn't look like a right back when that happens, does he? Mm. He looks like a midfielder filling in at right back, mm. and he he gets done far too easily. And the lad hammers it across goal. Jensen couldn't have done anything really about any of the goals. To be fair, he obviously came in for this game. Tough one for him, really, to make his league debut. Um, after that goal, we just huffed and puffed, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Nothing really. I mean, there was... Clough had a chance to lob the keeper where he probably should have left it to Brad Young, actually. I think Brad Young was mm-hmm. in a better position to hit it. Mm-hmm. Um, Armour had a header over from a corner and there was a long-range shot from Guy that went straight into the keeper's arms. That's about it. And then the subs didn't really have that much of an effect. I mean, Charters was playing as a left winger late on. I know he can yeah, play there. But... I, think, I think James Phillips was struggling to work out what 
system we're actually playing with just subs just going ha- on because ha- it's just ha- all over the place, wasn't it? It's happened far too often this season with that last yeah. problem as well. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, defending for the second goal, just appalling all round. Far too easy to get to the byline past Divine. Yeah. And then no one's picking up the the lad at the, the far post. I think Dickinson may be at fault for the second or third, but not really his fault because he's been sort of shoved in at left-back. And mm. if we're going to be using him that often at left-back, we should really be training him a bit more to, into that role again. Because mm. I know he's played there before, but he's maybe not in you know the tactics that we're playing. So you've got you've to actually work with him. Because if you know he's going to potentially be your backup left-back, mm. at least work in some way to make sure he's used to playing that role under this system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the third goal, less said the better, really. Cut open like yeah. a hot knife through butter. Lads through on goal and decent finish, to be fair. But by that point, you just knew at that point there's a good chance he's going to lose his job here, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, um, discipline, you mentioned this earlier, Mike. Uh, six mm. players were booked, so that's a £1,000 fine. They had four players booked as well, actually, didn't they? But mm. I've got to say, there was barely a bad tackle in this game, wasn't there? No, there wasn't. You, yeah, every single weird. time a player made their first foul or first defence, he was booking them. Mm. I just didn't get it I think even like their fans were saying like what's going on here <laughs> Why I think it was one of them he, he gave a soft one early doors and then it's like every other tackle people are going to say oh you gave a ta- you gave a yellow for that so you've got to give one for this yeah. and it sets a dangerous precedent like yeah. I'd rather see a ref just let things go early doors and yeah. My one concern yeah. I've got is we've got a few players on three yellow cards now yeah. That's a little bit of a worry because there's, there's always the potential risk. Of this. I think mm-hmm. the cutoff's not until late December, possibly. I think for the yeah. five yellow cards. So, so I think some will get suspensions at some. Yeah, point, I think I Dickinson's think. on four. I think now possibly. So I think he's the one in most danger of uh, getting a suspension. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, but yeah, just again another one of those games where you just didn't believe we we're going to get back into the game when we were behind, isn't it? And, yeah, and the players didn't either, and it's so obvious that they didn't either. Only real positive I picked out here, Gibson looked lively after coming back on. He, he does look like w- he's a good signing, doesn't he? Yeah, he did that one really good touch, sort of yeah. closest to the camera, didn't he, where he mm. like got past his man. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's sometimes the moments that, you know, we, we had that moment, uh, the worst nil-nil ever at Barnet years ago, where mm. Hallam Hope did a first touch that just, we still talk about to this day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, sometimes you just need a little yeah. moment like that got, to pick got, you up. Got into that game 15 minutes late, didn't we? Well, yeah. then one turnstile open, there was hundreds of Carla fans still waiting to get in. Absolute farce that was. Um, but yeah, I mean, <coughs> before we finish, just looking at the stats, I mean, we actually had more shots than them. <laughs> but we had only we had four on target. They had seven shots and four of those on target. So mm. much better return. And obviously three of them went in. So yeah. Tells you what you need to know, unfortunately. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think that rounds up the match review. I don't think we need to do too much more detail on that. It's been no. and gone. Move on to the next one. Yeah. And the next one's Tram We Hill. go again. We go again, and we'll be previewing <laughs> that in just a minute. Back now, it's the second half of the show, which means it's preview time. And the second half of the show this season has been sponsored by the Carl United Supporters Club, London Branch. London Branch is open to all Carl United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore, and of course, every part of London and the South East, and even got fans up in Cumbria who signed up. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events and supporters' games, and they also do a lot of fundraising for the club. 
They will be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section of this season too. You can find out more about the London Bunch at their website, carlislelondonbunch.org. And I've had a good bit of feedback actually from the London Bunch. They've had a few members who've joined who've actually said they'd be listening to the show and that's why they decided, oh, well, I'll sign up, why not? So goes to show go. it does work. Yeah. So if anyone else wants to sponsor on the show, we are influencers. People listen to us. <laughs> Honestly. Um, right, okay, so preview time which means uh, first up we've got the catching up with the opposition section. So this week I spoke to Paul from the This Is Tramway podcast to discuss their resilient start to the season, how their dad's army squad is getting on and why Mickey Mellon is the perfect man for the Prenton Park hot seat. Paul, it's been an eventful few years at Prenton Park, hasn't it? With promotions, relegations on points per game and a playoff defeat last season. What were the expectations this season for the club going into the new campaign? Yeah, um, eventful is <laughs> is putting it mildly, I guess. Um, you know, once we got promoted back into the into the football league, I think it was a case of really sort of trying to set set our roots back down. You know, mm-hmm. we'd been sort of um, ninety odd years in the football league, got relegated uh, into non league, the national league, uh, and when we eventually got back up after. You know, the third year um, down there, we just wanted to consolidate, really, and we never really expected the back-to-back promotion back into into League One. Um, but we obviously gratefully accepted it. Um, and then, yeah, the the bitter taste of the uh, the PPG thing, which still sort of bugs everyone um, to this day. Although we've we've moved on a little bit, but. Um, there's still a very bitter taste towards the uh, the powers that be, let's say. Um, the fact that we were pretty much the only team who were on the on the verge of mm. potentially staying up, but not given a chance to do that really sort of irks. And the fact that they went on with the playoffs and things like that, it does it does bug a lot of Tranmere fans. But they see this obviously last season was was very different in terms of you know we weren't <laughs> we weren't in the ground, so it was very much looking from the outside in, which was hard for a lot of people. Um, watching on the internet uh, wasn't very pleasant experience, especially when you've, you've been used to going week in, week out, you know, around the country, up and down the country, in the stadium. Um, and the football the key fail towards the end was, was diabolical, to be honest. So um, to, to see that we missed out in the playoffs... Yeah, it was probably not a, not a surprise given the the way we went into it, but I think this season with Mickey Mellon coming back and the success that he had previously, um, obviously as a player and a manager, I think we've got high expectations. And I mean, I of course I would say rightfully so, <laughs> um, being a you know a diehard Tranmere fan, but I do think that League One is probably about our level. Um, I think we are a, a League One side in terms of sort of size of fan base and stadium and all the rest of it, infrastructure. Um, it's a very sort of sustainable level for us, if you like. Um, so, yeah, I think promotion is obviously what we what we all want. And the expectation is there because of Mickey coming back and some of the players that we've been able to bring in, the likes of Callum McManaman, who's played, you know, in the Premier League and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think... Uh, I think Tranmere fans always set the bar the bar quite high, and maybe some sometimes it's unrealistic. But I think this time, definitely we're we're expecting 
and and they're hoping for promotion and I think that's uh, you know an achievable target really. Well, that's funny you mentioned Mickey Mellon quite a bit there. I was going to actually ask you, obviously he came back over the summer. Um, happy to see him back, most fans, by the sounds of things. Yeah, no, as I say, like the, those back-to-back promotions were very much inspired by him um, mm-hmm. and the way he likes his team to play. We had a very, I don't think we, I don't think it, I'm not, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn, but I don't think we had the most talented side that, that got those promotions. Um, but we had a very strong work ethic, which he instilled in the in the squad. Um, there was a never say die attitude. There were, you know, players were putting their bodies on the line. You knew that you'd you'd get, you know, you might not get some, you know, free flowing, brilliant football to to watch that's you know beautiful on the eye, but you knew you'd always get eleven players who would put their heart and soul into it and throw everything, um, give everything they've got. Um, and I think that, that that sort of team spirit and you know, level of determination and all the rest of it really you know, got us through in the end. Obviously, you know, hundred and nineteenth minute uh, winner at Wembley um, just showed that you know the the players were willing to go you know all the way to the to the end. And albeit we did, we didn't really want um, extra time that day. It was boiling hot as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think Mickey as a you know, a winning mentality. He's, you know, he's he's won promotions wherever he's been as a manager. You know, at Fleetwood, um, Shrewsbury, and obviously with Tranmere as well. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a shame that it didn't really work out for him going back. You know, up, up to Scotland at, at Dundee, but um, you know, we're you know we're we're very grateful that he's come back, and uh, I think um, he just embraces everything that's that the the club represents to the to the to the people, the fans. The owners, um, I think he, he gets it, and I've said this in a, in a few interviews I've done recently with different people. He he just gets it. Um, yeah. There's a lot of managers that come and go, and you know they're they're you know holding the fort. If you like, he really understands the club inside out. Um, and yeah, I'd say he's probably a you know a Birkonian, um <laughs> by through by heart because of uh, you know what he's been through and what he's what he's done with the club. So. Yeah, uh, really pleased he's, he's back in the in the hot seat. Looking at this season, it, looking at your results so far, it's probably fair to say defence has been your real strong point, hasn't it? I mean, <laughs> you've got comfortably the best defence in the division and I've got to give a mention to Peter Clark. Still going strong <laughs> at 39 years young. Top scorer as well. Has he not missed a game for something like two and a half years? Something like that, something ridiculous. How vital is he to, to the team still? Do you know what we had a conversation on our on the on the podcast at the end of last season, and it was like, who do you want to keep? And um, Peter Clark was one of those players. He was like, well, he's out of contract. He was you know, coming up to thirty nine years old. He'd had a really good season. He was probably, I think, he was voted Player of the Year. Have um, by the players or the fans. Um, he was brilliant. He didn't miss a didn't miss a league game. He played every minute of every league fixture last season, and yeah, he's picked up exactly where he left off, and it's it's unbelievable, really. You know, at thirty nine, he's he's you know still looking as good as ever, really. Um, I know I know people always say, oh, he never had any pace to to lose, um, and you know, centre half is probably a you know a, the best kind of position to play if you're that. You know, coming up to that vintage, if you like, but 
um, you know, he keeps himself in excellent shape. He's um, you know as fit as anybody else I'd say in the in the squad. And um, yeah, <laughs> top goal scorer. Um, <laughs> he's popped up with some really vital goals, and you know he's a he's a he's a, as much as a threat in the opposition penalty area as he is a you know a, an asset defending our own goal, if you like. So um, yeah, no, he is a, a vital cog in the uh, in the Tramir machine. That's for sure. I want to remember last season when he played against us. I think we mentioned our pod. He seems an obvious person to target in games when we had sort of pacey players up front because he's a bit older. But he just he was imperious in those two games against us. So doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I mentioned there obviously the fact that he's thirty nine. You actually have the joint oldest average squad in the division with I think Harrogate. Ten of your players are age thirty and over. Is that a little bit of a concern for such a long season? Um, yes and no. <laughs> um, obviously, not at the minute because we're 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 winning. But uh, as soon as we start losing, it will be a massive concern, <laughs> and the players start getting injured. Um, I suppose it is on the back burner a little bit of a concern, and and obviously Joe Murphy has has recently been been out through injury. Not, I don't think that was anything to do with his age. That somebody. Uh, <laughs> Caught a boot in his head, but um, but yeah, um, he's turned forty, I think. Um, yeah, uh, we do have some some aging um, aging players, but it's all experience, isn't it? Yeah, and that, that's the that's the kind of flip side, isn't it? You 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 think well, you've got an old squad, but it's a really experienced squad, and and I think all those players over the age of thirty have all you know won things at various clubs whether it be at Tranmere or elsewhere so if they can keep as fit as possible for as long as possible it's not a problem but as soon as you start losing two three four for long term and it's you know ages catching up with them then it becomes a concern but at the minute I don't really think any of them are struggling sort of fitness wise and as I say Peter Clark is probably as fit as anyone in that squad because he keeps himself in such good nick. So, um, yeah, all good experience, and um, you know whether other teams think that it's a you know a way that they can exploit us. Then yeah, fair enough. Um, I suppose your biggest concern actually, though, is more than anything, is the lack of goals so far this season. Yeah. We on, <laughs> on our pod, we actually I think I think two of us predicted you guys to finish in the top three, and someone else predicted the playoffs. I think the reason they went for that was they just felt there wasn't enough goals in their team. And at the moment, it's looking a fair reflection of what they said. We felt you might get another strike in before the end of the transfer window. Is that still a real big worry there? I know you signed that young lad from um, the local non-league scene, didn't you? not quite been up to pace from the people I speak to and work from what they say yet so far. Yeah, the lack of goals is a concern. You mentioned before, Peter Clark is the... The leading goal scorer, which is um, you know, funny in itself, the fact that he's thirty nine and the fact that he's a centre half. Um, yeah, the young lad you mentioned, Elliot Nevitt, has done really well. I think he was signed really as a kind of a bit of a development project mm-hmm. in the summer. Someone that they saw a bit of potential in, and that they could potentially, you know, bring up to football league standards over time, and maybe have a bit of sell on value. Uh, game one or two into the season, and he's <laughs> he's a focal point of our attack. Um, 
And that's, as you say, we didn't bring anyone of any note really in the summer to replace James Vaughan, who last season basically held the fort in front of goal. Um, he was the, the, the one player who would guarantee us goals. And when he didn't play, as you saw towards the end of the season when he was injured, we didn't score. Um, I wish he'd been injured for the game at Brunton Park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. yeah he, he was a vital cog um, last season. And we brought in Nicky Maynard, who I think could be that James Vaughan type. But again, <laughs> you mentioned about the age, he's a bit older. He's not done much um, over the last few seasons, has he? Yeah, hasn't really had a look in the last couple of years. And, well, the fact that he's not featured too much in these uh, these last few weeks suggests that he's probably not fully match fit and ready to go so um, and, and obviously to do to, to get match fit you need matches um, and he's not getting a look in at the minute so um, I think he could be the, the kind of the fox in the box mm. who could add us a few more goals you know convert some of the chances that we are creating into into goals rather than opportunities but as I say it's um, it's catching up with that match fitness and uh, I'm not sure whether he has the drive or the you know the ability to, to, to do it at the minute. Yeah. Before we get on, I'm going to ask you a little bit about the off-the-field sort of things at your club in a sec, but I've just got to ask you quickly about uh, Nathaniel Knight Percival. Do you think he's the only player who's played for both clubs in either squad? How's he got on so far? Because he didn't, didn't have the best of times at Brunton Park and then last season... He went to Morecambe and obviously manages to win promotion, including beating yourselves in these playoff semi-finals. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, hasn't really featured too much. Um, seems to have, have come in as a as a kind of left-sided centre half. If we play a, a back three, and recently we've been playing a back four, and he's been missing out. Um, so, off the top of my head, he's probably played about four to five games. Hmm. Um, this season always looks very solid and you know it's no nonsense really um, yeah. but yeah not really seeing too much of him if I'm completely honest in a, in a tram issue I've seen plenty of him down the years yeah. obviously with yourselves with Shrewsbury and and you know thousands of other teams he's played for <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but um, but yeah he hasn't really done anything of note so far in a, in a tram issue he scored against uh, who did he score against in pre he, he got a winning goal in, in pre-season. That's probably his, his most notable contribution yeah. <laughs> that nobody cares about. <laughs> not, not much so far then, really. Um, asking you about the off-the-field stuff then. Um, the club seems to be so well run these days. I mean, I live down here in, in Liverpool, so I hear see a bit of news about uh, Tramley Rovers every now and then. And the way the Palioses seem to run the club seems to be something that the fans really appreciate. You see things like the the fan park thing they've obviously developed outside the ground and stuff like that and you've seen things like big murals around the town that seems to be coming from the, the good community spirit the club has how positive are the fans about the, the job that they've done as owners of the club yeah I think um, I think most supporters um, would speak very highly of, of the, the, the kind of the, the stewardship that, that Mark and the club have, um, have given the club over the last six or seven years. Um, I do think well, a, a big part of that is giving a little bit of ownership back to the back to the fans. You mentioned the fan park and mm. um, and various other sort of projects that have been going on. They've very much been fan-led, okay. you know, by the supporters club or by the, um, by the supporters trust. 
Um, and it's kind of fans wanting to help other fans, you know, enjoy the match day experience in terms of the in terms of the fan park. And then you've got other projects such as um, there's a couple going on at the moment where we've got um, food donations to those who are uh, you know have been suffering during COVID. And obviously, mm. you know, the, there's lots of talk in the news about um, you know the energy prices going up and people having to use food banks. And there's been um, for the last I think four to five years there's been like a food bank collection point at the ground um, and they do that really well and I think there was like four they post every day on Twitter the, the, the trust I think there was like 42 food parcels delivered today oh, wow. to give you some idea of uh, of what kind of work they're doing in the community so it is something that makes you proud to be associated with that um, obviously you know we're, we're football fans and we love the football but in terms of the the wider community and especially in a place like you know Birkenhead there is a lot of you know um, underprivileged let's say yeah. um, it's not all beds of roses um, and it's nice that you know the the, the privilege the, the privileged few if you like um, are helping each other out and, and doing things like that but I, yeah to go back to your to your question I think you know the Palioses understand the club yeah, Mark was a, a player at, at Prenton Park for eight or nine years um, understands the business side of things through his yeah. you know what he's done off, off the field um, with the FA and all the rest of it so yeah I think uh, I think it works really well and, and as I say the fans are a big part of that and the, I think there's a, you know a, a member of the, the trust and the supporters club on the board so mm. you know decisions are being are being made but you know supporters that do have a, a uh, excuse me a fair say um, in what's going on and it's yeah it's really positive at the moment and you know lots of lots of great things going on in and around the, the community which is which is fantastic brilliant well let's wrap it up now then uh, Paul let's have your, your prediction for this weekend oh god I'm, I'm hopeless at predictions <laughs> so um, with that in mind I'm going to say Carlisle win <laughs> oh wow um, <laughs> nah, that, um, that's very unexpected believe me <laughs> yeah well, because because I'm so bad at predicting, I might as well say Carlisle to win. But um, no, I think it'll be a good game. I think um, I mean, obviously I've not seen you guys um, so far this year, but um, it's always a difficult place to 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 go. Brunton Park, it's been a good few times, and um, yeah, it's never never easy to to get a result. So um, it's going to be going to be a tough one. I would probably say a draw. Um, just because of our lack of goals and stuff as well, and you know, away from home, you know, we've we've been doing well at Prenton Park the last few weeks, but I think uh, on the road, if we can pick up you know points here and there, um, get the odd win, that we'll be, we'll be doing well. But I think it, yeah, Carlisle's a, a difficult place to to get something, but uh, yeah, I'd fancy us to get a you know a positive result in terms of a a draw, maybe a score draw. Like, uh, I think we'll take that on our forms. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers for giving up your time, Paul. Really appreciate it. No worries, Lee. All the best. Okay, thanks again, Paul, for taking the time to speak to us this week. Um, yeah, Tramme having a really good strong start to the season, aren't they? I think it's fair to yeah. say. Um, referee this weekend, Andrew Kitchen. He's never refereed uh, us before because it's his first season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of nine games so far. He's handed out 25 yellow cards and one red card. So he's not quite as fussy as uh, Lado was in charge of the um, Bristol Rovers game last yeah. weekend, I think it's fair to say. 
Um, well, Tr- Tranmere have received quite a few red cards this season as well. I think they're on three already. Have they had three? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Didn't realise so. that. Cause I, I know that I, was, I think it was Mansfield have got the worst record. I mean, they've had four mm. or something like that. They're, they're not doing well at all. I mean, yeah, our predictions for them to win the playoffs aren't looking great, are they so far? No. I think it's fair to say. Um, in terms of head-to-head, um, we've played Rovers on... I've written down the number wrong here, Mike, haven't I? Um, I'm trying to break some head. 99 times. I think this will be the 100th time we've played them, actually. Oh. Have I right, got that right in my head? No, I haven't got that right in my head, have I? <laughs> 89 times. Okay. 89 times we've played uh, Tromia Rovers. It's been the 90th time we've played them. Uh, we've won 35, drawn 17, and we've lost 37. Um a lot of those have come in recent games, and we'll touch on that in a sec. Mm. Classic clash, Mike. Uh, I don't know if this was the game you were at, actually, because I wasn't at it, because I remember I was walking on the Science Museum in London, killing some time, because I I was skint, so I was like, well, I need something to do, and I had a train ticket to get into London anyway. So I went in a little walk around the Science Museum while listening to the game. There you go. Because we're going back to December 2013. Car United 4, Tramway Rovers 1. And oh, there- I wasn't here. Tom Lawrence, wasn't it? Yeah, were you at this game? No, no. No, you missed it. Ah, it's mm. a rare highlight of the Graham Kavanagh era. Mm. Um, battering Tramere Rovers, uh, partly thanks to, as you mentioned there, dazzling us from an on-loan Manchester United forward. So we were both struggling sort of towards the bottom of League One this season. I think we both ended up going down, didn't we? And Tramere actually ended up dropping all the way through to the National League, didn't they? Whereas we yeah. just stayed up under curl. Um, we got the upper hand very early on in this game. First minute, Lee Miller knocked down. Came to Tom Lawrence uh, and the Welshman, he, he flicked it up with his foot, didn't he, at first? And he just mm. crashes a volley past the keeper. Mm. I'd argue it's almost as good as his second goal, which we'll t- talk about <laughs> mm. soon. Um, but a brilliant goal, really set us on the way, didn't it? Owen Fawn Williams had no chance in the Tranmere goal. Uh, Lee Miller nearly doubled the lead uh, before half time, but he's headed from a corner, was cleared off the line. And I think there was one Tranmere player went very close with a shot across goal. But it was after the break that United stepped up a gear. David Amu uh, got his. Second, well, Scott United second, sorry, uh, against his former club, volleying in from a corner despite heavy pressure from his marker. And then came Lawrence's moment to shine. I mean, this this goal, when you look back at it now, it's astonishing, isn't it, when you actually look at the oh, finish it's, it's incredible, yeah. It's, I mean, people were saying at the time, it's like one of the best goals that they've ever seen at Brunton Park. Yeah, I think Evan talked about Peter Bearsley's goal against Plymouth, I think, or Blackburn or something, where he beat about four or five men and then chipped it into the, to the goal. But... Uh, yeah, this was pretty special. Mm. He picked the ball up 40 yards from goal. He beat three or four men, got into the area, and with a quick shimmy, shifted it onto his uh, left foot and fired into the far corner past a helpless Williams. I mean, it, I think it was voted goal of the season, then, wasn't it, this goal? And, I think it was, yeah. And you look at it as well. He doesn't have much to hit in the far corner, does he? Because he's going mm. to a small space. It's a great finish. Mm. really is. Uh, the fourth goal came when a moose cross from the left was touched down to Josh Morris. And uh, James Barrett smashed a shot from 20 yards, which took a... I think it took a double deflection, actually, when you look at it. It seems to hit two defenders and mm. goes into the opposite corner. Passed Owen from Williams, and Rovers got a consolation late on. It was Ryan Lowe that headed in a, from the across from the left, but the game was over at that point, anyway. it didn't really matter too much. Mm. It's just when you look at United's team back that day, doesn't it? Uh, I know, it's mad. It's uh, Ben Amos, another Man United loney in goal. Max Aimer, another loanee on loan from QPR at that point, I think it was. He was playing at right back. I think it was, yeah. Uh, Meppen Walter. I don't know, if, was this his debut? Was this, I think it was his second game, wasn't it? Because I think he played against Brentford or someone in the FA Cup. Yeah, it was an FA Cup game, his debut, yeah. And he had a brilliant game, so he played in this game as well, obviously. Um, O'Hanlon at centre-back alongside him. Matty Robson at left-back. Your midfield three were Paul Furwell, Prince Buwabin and James Berry. 
And then your front three of Tom Lawrence, David Amu and Lee Miller. Obviously, Josh Morris came on for Tom Lawrence. Brad Potts actually came on at right back for Max Aimer. And a, a one-game wonder in midfield, <laughs> Craig Ray Rodden. Rodden. Came on for his single appearance uh, for Paul Furwell in this game. So there you go. We'll stick the highlights up for that one uh, when we post up the uh, episode tomorrow. Um, play for both. So Dan has sent his usual little bit in for here. So let's it's find a big out. One. It is a big one. Dan has picked a player who's played for both clubs. And who is it? This week's uh, played for both. It's a European born in, apologies if I've got this wrong, Kozukchow in Poland. Uh, it is Darius Kubicki. Uh, started out in some local Polish teams, came to the fore at Stal Milek before his big breakthrough uh, when he joined Legia Warsaw. Uh, he was there several years, uh, nine years in total, played for Poland 46 times. He then uh, came over to England and joined Aston Villa. Uh, Aston Villa finished runners-up in the Premier League and they actually won the the football league cup in '94, but he wasn't really involved much. He was he was bit part, and he went to Sunderland on loan, and he, he then later joined Sunderland for three seasons, which is probably where he had his his best spell. They won the first division. He was in the the team of the year. Uh, he then moved to Wolves for a year. Part of that year, he went on loan to Tranmere uh, for a dozen or so games. And then he rocked up at Carlisle United in the summer of 98, but uh, he didn't play many games, uh, seven, eight games, I think it was, before he, he moved on to Darlington, played two or three games for then, and then uh, he moved into coaching, and he, he actually was uh, back at Legia Warsaw as manager and assistant on and off. Uh, he also went to Polonia Warsaw, Lechia Gdansk, but then he was arrested by the police due to a bribery scandal involving the sale of a Warsaw Sports Centre. So when he was at Lekia Gdansk, he was uh, suspended. But he uh, he ended up coming back to coaching not long after. Uh, I'm not even going to pronounce one of them, but uh, other places, Wisla Plok, Sibir, Novosibesk, uh, Podbezkitsi, Bielsko Biala, Olympia Grudziads. And I'm I'm giving up, but uh, he's he's been in and around football coaching uh, pretty much since he stopped playing. So yeah, that's uh, Darius Kubicki. I had a feeling he was going to pick Darius Kubicki when I sent him the list over that I put together. <laughs> so I'm glad he did, uh, and I'm glad he was very careful with <coughs> what he said in terms of uh, the legal stuff. But um, <laughs> but yeah, no, interesting character. Interesting, he has a son as well. Actually, he was um, born in Birmingham, but he he plays over in Poland now. I think he's a second division side there, possibly. But. Mm. Uh, very interesting indeed. So yeah, Darius Kubicki. There you go. Let's do the full list then now. Dad, uh, Mike, sorry, it's a, it's a fairly long list. A few it names is. in there that you'll you'll recognise. Obviously, we've mentioned David Amir already. Uh, Graham Bell, I think he, he's possibly a very early Cal United player. Paul Black. Oh, God. I mean, this 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 was desperate times. When you think back to the fact we got yeah. him on loan from Mansfield Town. <laughs> when they were the division. When they were in the National League. Mm. But, well, they know... Did it, no, sorry, they, they were they were League Two, weren't they? I do apologise. I think they were League yeah. Two, but we were League One, weren't we? And he played. I think did he come on or did he start in that infamous defeat at Bradford City? I think he came on for uh, yeah. Pat Bruff. He started left back uh, yeah. sword. Um, so yeah, there you go, Paul Black, Dave Burgess. He was a uh, sort of. I think he was still in the squad in the ninety four ninety five. I think he sort of left halfway through that season. 
Um, Andy Cook obviously never played a first-team game for us, but he uh, had a couple of very successful spells at uh, Tranmere Rovers. Paul Curry, he was one of the uh, the various signings that I think Cav made in his season in charge, wasn't he? Yeah, I think? Uh, on loan from Sheffield Wednesday, wasn't he? He was, yeah. I think he had a loan yeah. spell from Tranmere from them as well. Mm. Uh, Craig Curran, now playing in the uh, Champions League qualifiers for Connors Key Nomads mm. these days. Um I always like Craig Curran, hard-working mm. player. Just, I just think he—I don't think he was ever really a striker, was he? A, well, I mean, because he scored a hat trick on his debut for Tranmere, I think he was, he was like yeah. seventeen, which well, is it, like you know the stuff that fairy tales are made of. But yeah, because there was big clubs interested in him, wasn't he? He never quite worked mm. out. Obviously, came to us. I, I think he's one of those players who he just had that natural ability. He almost coached out of him, wasn't it? He well, clearly it, had it when he was young. I think his issue was is that he sort of he worked too hard almost in yeah. that like he'd be chasing people down and then when your team won possession back he wasn't in the position that you needed him to be in to potentially score. That's true. Um, Nathan Eccleston don't really have much to say about him. <laughs> Brief loan spell was he on loan from Liverpool to us? Already uh, gone somewhere else by then. I think he'd already gone somewhere else. I think uh, he was at Blackpool. So mm. yeah, he had a loan spell at Tramie, he played one game for them, loan spell with us, played two games for us, that tells you <laughs> all you need to know. He's uh, last, I think he's, I don't know if he's still there, but he's last spotted at Nuneaton Borough, but mm. he also had a spell playing for a club in Hungary as well, yeah. Bekeskaba Alora. never heard of them, but there you go. <laughs> um, Nathan Alex on there, Mike Ellis, everyone knows about him, you know. Long arms. Yeah, good, good, good spell for Tramie, decent play for us. Scott Endersby, I think, is one that we covered quite recently and one of the uh, play for both, I think. Dan did him. Um, Morgan Finney. <coughs> I almost forgot because I obviously had a little chat there with um, with Paul from the uh, Tramier podcast. And I'd actually, I said to him, I think the only player on both sides who's played for both clubs is, uh, what do you call him? Um, Knight Percival. I was wrong. <laughs> Morgan <laughs> Finney is one of them as well, obviously. Only played one game for Tramier, um, but there you go. Um who else have we got here? We've got Paul Fitzpatrick. I think he started out as a youth player at Tramway. I don't think he ever played a first-team game for, for them, but uh, a very popular player from a tough period in Char- uh, United. Uh, Shamal George, again, not someone who particularly shone at either club. Kevin Gray. But, shan- some- but Shamal George shines at every club that he plays for against us. Since, of course he does. Of course which he is does. just one club. But yeah, you know. <laughs> <Goal Jester. laughs> uh, Kevin Gray, who was uh, once voted in 4-4-2 as the worst ever Tramier Rovers player yeah. and then became an absolute legend at United. Um, Clint Hill, someone who I think is very popular at both clubs. He obviously started his career with uh, Rovers and I think he was sent off in the League Cup final in the 90s. For them. That's how that's how old poor old Clint is. Eh? Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, Evan Horwood, someone who did okay for us, did all right for Tranmere as well. I think uh, Bobby Hutchinson, Lloyd Easton, Jake Jervis. He had a spell at Tranmere. Mike Jones, I think he did. He start his career with with Tranmere. Fairly sure he did, didn't I think he? I think he might he, have done. Yeah. I think he started as a winger there as well, which is quite weird to think of now, isn't it? Mm. But, but there you go. Um, Knight Percival obviously touched on him already. Dash Kubik as well. We touched on as well. Couple of the older players here: Jack Lawney, Jim Lumby, Hugh McCauley, Sean McGinty. He, he had time at uh, <laughs> Tranmere. Derek Brownfield. He's the other one I thought that um, that Dan might pick, but he didn't go for him in the end. Maybe we'll get him on another club this season. Maybe against Walsall. You never know. Jenison uh, Murray Williams. I mean, is there a club that Jenison Murray Williams hasn't played for? Yeah, he's he, in this every week. I think it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? Next one up is a player. I think it was a. Quite well, popular. Well, I don't think he was that long at United, but he did it pretty well. Eric Nixon. Eric Nixon has the 
unusual um, honour of having played in every single division in one season. <laughs> I think when he was at Man City, he had loan spells at us, Tranmere, and I think Southampton, not Southampton, maybe Wolves or Bradford, all in one season, basically. And essentially, it covered all four divisions. So he's played for all four divisions in one season. I don't season. think you can do that anymore, can you? It'd be impossible now because you can't do short-term loans. Yeah. Well, no, you can actually, can't you? Because you, goalkeeper ones, you can do emergency loans. But I think so you can you only play for two or three clubs in a season. Possibly, possibly. They might be different about with the loans. I don't know, but there you go. Um, Michael O'Halloran, again, another one who didn't really do much for us all. Tramir. Jason Price. I remember him, I'm sure he scored against us in that famous FA Cup game where they beat us 6-1 and Jason Kumas ran the show and scored a hat-trick, including two, I think it was uh, two penalties and a free kick from about 30 yards. It was ridiculous. Um, who else? David Raven. He had some time at Tramir. Dave Rogers. He was involved in that Tranmere game as well, that game, FA Cup game. I think he tried to fight someone in the crowd that day. <laughs> Hence, he got the nickname Dave Rogers as a football hooligan. Craig Russell, he had a loan spell at um, Tranmere, I think, earlier on in his career. Um, Cole Stockton, less said about him, the better at United. <laughs> He'll always come back to haunt us forever. Mm. Um, Gareth Taylor, he's obviously in charge of Manchester City women's side now. We've had him a few times in recent weeks, actually, I think, Gareth Taylor. Yeah, he's uh, another one that's in it every week. Yeah, Sean Teal. Uh with his uh, wonderful porno tash. Um, he was with us for, I think, one season. I don't know how long he was at Tranmere, but uh, I think he's fairly local to Tranmere, actually. I have a feeling he's, because um, he was born in, I'm sure he's born in Bursco or somewhere like that, or he, Southport he was born, sorry. Um, so yeah, Sean Taylor, he, he spent a few seasons at Tranmere, didn't play too much, had the one season with us and played his 18 games, but probably best known for his time at Aston Villa, I think, and how well he'd done there. Um that's Sean Teal, Joe Thompson. He had time at uh, Tranmere. Ben Tomlinson. God, remember him? Mm. One of the uh, Keith Curl's famous million signings he made towards the end of that season when he could have spent, yeah. you know, all the money on one decent player. <laughs> Instead, he signed about mm. twelve different players who were absolute crap. Yeah. Um, ben Tomlinson, Ray Train, uh, legendary player for United. He was at Tranmere for a while. Uh, George Waring. Yeah. Uh, John Welsh, <laughs> uh, he had a time with uh, Tramway. I think he did a lot better Tramway than he did with us, at least, anyway. And finally, Bob yeah. White, I think, is a very early United player. So there you go. That's the play for both sections, Mike. Uh, so let's now talk about Tramway Rovers. Tough game this one is going to be, isn't it, I think? You look yeah. Because they've, they've not started the season particularly spectacularly in terms of, you know, batteries and everything, but my God, they're a hard team to beat, aren't they? I mean, that's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, they're in fifth, aren't they? And they, mm. they managed to draw away at Forest Green the other week, which I don't think a lot of teams are going to manage that this season. Mm. Um, yeah, and I mean, I was going to say they beat Salford, but Salford, obviously, anyone can beat them. <laughs> Current form, yeah, I think anyone would fancy that one, though. But, um, yeah, they're looking to make it five consecutive wins against the Blues. We haven't beat them since February 2015. Which was the game where Charlie Wyke and who else scored? Oh, did he score both? Didn't he? Yeah, game. I seem to remember. That's yeah, the game. He did. That was my thirtieth birthday weekend. <laughs> do you remember that game, Mike? I do. Yeah, I was supposed to be flying to Copenhagen on the Monday morning for a holiday, and uh, I handed my phone to Mike to show him something on it. Both of us, I let go, and Mike hadn't quite grabbed it by the time I let go. It landed screen down. I was like, heard the crack and thought, yeah, that's broken. So yeah, I had a mad rush on Sunday to find somewhere to repair the screen on my phone before I went away. So and he hasn't shut up about it since. No, 
No, I think we're both to blame, haven't we? Both took our hands yeah. away at the same time, but there you go. Uh, we so both yeah. had quite a few pints as well. We had a lot to point. drink at that point. A lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're looking to bounce back after they lost in the playoff semi-finals to Morecambe last season and go one better this season to return to League One two years after their probably, I think it's fair to say, controversial relegation on points per game. I know they weren't very happy. Yeah. I think of all the teams who were relegated on points per game, <coughs> they're the team they've got the biggest gripe about it because yeah, yeah. they were relegated by, was it 0.06 points in the end? Something like that, yeah. It's astonishing really how close it mm. was. So Very unlucky they were in terms of that. Um, but yeah, they're hoping to bounce back. They obviously, they, they binned off Keith Hill, didn't they? Just mm. before the playoffs last season, after he managed to get them there, they weren't just weren't happy with him. Went with a caretaker. And then this summer, they went back to the tried and trusted, didn't they? Yeah. Mickey Mellon. In his, it's his second spell in charge. He was also quite a successful player with them in two spells. Um, he's hoping to gain promotion to League One with Rovers for the second time in three years. I mean, he's got a brilliant record as manager, hasn't he, when you look at him, Mike? Yeah. And all the clubs take away Dundee United, that was always going to be a tough task because mm. you're in the Scottish Premier League and you're up against Rangers, Celtic, and then you've also got Aberdeen, you've got a bit behind them and Hart and the like. So always going to be a tough one, that one. But yeah, so he started his managerial career at Fleetwood Town. Uh, he got two promotions there, including he was the man who got them into the league, wasn't he? Uh, and then yes. I think he went to a coaching job at Barnsley. He had a brief caretaker spell there, but then took the manager's job at Shrewsbury. Uh, one promotion with them, and then uh, he managed to get two promotions at Tramway Rovers from the National League, and then obviously from League Two to League One. So he's hoping to make it uh, six promotions and three at Tramway as, as manager. I mean, he just knows how to get a side well organised, doesn't he? That's, the, that's mm. the thing that really stands out. He was a defender himself, so he clearly knows the the art of defending, doesn't he? And he's uh, he's done a great job with them this season. Um, I think. Did you have these in the uh, preseason preview, Mike? I think you did. You have to. I had them to. I'm not sure. I don't know if they were the team. No, I I I think you had them. Um, I think you're right there. Yeah, but I had them down as the team who everyone thinks will do quite well, but they actually don't. I mean, your point was about the fact that you didn't think they had a strike and you think they struggled to score goals, which was bang on. Mm. Problem is, you didn't anticipate the fact that they'd only concede four goals in their first 11 games. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think anyone could have anticipated that, to be fair. Yeah. It's it's astonishing record, isn't it? I mean, mm. for star man Mike, I picked out Callan McManaman. Uh, really? Wasn't that long ago? <laughs> I knew you were going to laugh there. <laughs> to let everyone a secret here, I, I couldn't get Callan McManaman's name right. It took me about four or five attempts. So uh, I knew Mike was going to ruin that for me. But yeah, uh, yeah, it wasn't that long ago, Mike, was it? That he was being tipped to be the next big thing. Um, he got man of the match in the FA Cup final win over yeah. Man City as a Wigan player, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there's a couple of clubs sniffing around him around that time as well. And I, I think he made the mistake that all all young players make at some point and went to Sunderland. <laughs> it just seems to happen. Seems to be the mm. case. Yeah, I think he had his spell there, didn't he? Or did he go to West Brom first? I always forget which way around it was. I should probably check that before I say, shouldn't I? Um, but yeah, he, he's found it tough. He, he, he made his move from... Uh, in fact, it was West Brom, sorry, he went to after uh, Wigan. Uh, went to West Brom, really struggled to make an impact there. Then he went to Sunderland and again, really struggled to make any sort of impact. I mean, that was in the championship by then. Returned to Wigan, didn't really find it easy there. Went to Luton. And last season, he was actually at Melbourne Victory. So, mm. you know, he's, he's, he's made a, bit, a few moves. He's now back on Merseyside. I really fancy him to do well this season. I know he's only got his one goal in his 10 appearance or whatever so far, but 
from speaking to Paul from the Tramier podcast, they all say he's a really exciting player and they're really impressed with him so far. And Yeah, I mean, I, I was a little concerned because he's not the biggest, is he? No, but he's, he's a winger, isn't he? But he's quite stocky, yeah, though, yeah. isn't he? He's not like he's, not like he's mm. slight, is he? He's, no. he, he basically he just runs himself into the ground. He's almost like a, a top-level Craig Curran, isn't he, really? <laughs> In that sense. You say top-level. <laughs> oh, come on. Craig Curran is top-level. Um, yeah. But there you go. Uh but yeah, you, you know what I mean. He, he was playing at the top level a while back. He was in the mm. Premier League with with Wigan. Um, but yeah, plenty to prove. He's only thirty, so I, I really fancy him to do really well with mm. with uh, Tramier this season. In terms of other key squad members, picked a few out here. I don't know if you disagree with these, Mike. I mean, they've got such an old squad, haven't they? I mean, average age of the squad is I think it's the second. In fact, the joint oldest squad alongside Harrogate, mm. but they've got ten players over the age of thirty. Yeah. Which is incredible, really. I mean, almost top of the list, not quite. Joe Murphy's top, the goalkeeper. He's injured at the moment. Second top, Peter Clark, still going strong at the age of 39. Not the Peter Clark he played for us, I should point out. This is the one that started out at Everton many, many years ago. Um, I think he was at Huddersfield and a couple of other clubs as well. Um, still going strong at the age of 39. Um, top scorer as well this season with three goals. Oh, it's incredible. I, th- I think he hasn't missed a minute. <coughs> Of football, but in league terms of league, uh, league appearances, for I think something like two and a half years That's at the mad. age of 39, which is absolutely mm. mad. I remember last season when we played them, we were all saying, weren't we? Oh, we should be targeting him because you know he's you know he's old, put the pace mm. on him. Didn't work like that, did it at all? No, <laughs> he was comfortable with it, really comfortable. Uh, Liam Feeney's a player who I've always really liked, he's done it at a higher level. And Jay Spearing, he was pulling the strings of those two games last season, wasn't he? He was really yeah. impressive for them. So yeah. anyone else you really fancy in their squad? No, I mean, for me, I mean, I've always thought when we played them sort of last season and this season, Mellish versus Spearing is like mm. a battle of the, you know, the gods in midfield. In the, you know, I mean, Spearing's only like, what, 5'5", five, five, I think? Or mm-hmm. maybe even shorter than that. Uh, and obviously Mellish is a big lad, but Spearing like, makes up for his lack of height in sort of the way he reads the game and yeah. absolutely loves a tackle as well, doesn't he? Well, you can tell he's been coached at a high level, can't you? Because the yeah. way he sprays the ball about, he's, he plays some lovely stuff. Um, they've got Leo Connor back on loan from Celtic as well. I think he did really well there last season, so they're pleased to get him back. Um, signed Nicky Maynard fairly recently. Maybe that's the striker that they needed. I know he's not done that well in this league over the last few seasons. He's struggled a little bit, but um, it's amazing how many how many strikers at this level like make a living from like one or two seasons that they had like years ago yeah. and I, f- I feel like he's he's one of them isn't he like he really hasn't been that much for the past few years I, I know he's going to score a hat-trick against us now because I've yeah. said that yeah. but yeah I do, I do wonder if players like him are very good at adapting their game now and becoming a player that is good at linking the play as well as being like a goal mm. scoring doesn't necessarily the goal scoring bit is a bit everyone remembers but they don't realise actually they're really good clever players um, Yeah. and other than that the other couple of interesting ones there they've got a uh, Diaz Ueri, who was at um, Salford a couple of seasons ago. He's a decent big striker. And Elliot Nevitt, they signed from Warrington Rylands in the summer. He's a, I mean, a few of their fans are saying he looks a little bit... He, he's a big lad, I think it's fair to say, in all senses of the phrase. But at the same actually, he's playing quite well. He links play fairly well. I don't, think he, he's, I don't know if he's scored yet. I think he might have one goal. But by all accounts, he's actually settled in quite well. And he's becoming mm. popular by... Basically, just working hard. So, I thought he was a bit younger. He's actually twenty-five, so he's coming into the professional game very late. Mm. But uh, yeah, he's, he's done pretty well for them. Current form-wise, though, Mike, they are near enough the best side in the division, aren't they? Only Sutton yep. have got better form than them of late, and 
Yeah, so they've oh the last uh, six games, they're second in the form table, uh, just twenty places above United, <laughs> uh, and their record is one lost, one drawn, one won. So they're unbeaten but in the last four. They haven't won an away game all season, I don't think. I don't think they've scored away from home yet. This season, well, I think they've scored one away from home. I think I heard yeah. the other day. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's tight. Yeah, so it's it's weird, and you know we've seen it so many times. Teams come to Carlisle having not won an away game in X amount of time, and they always end that run at Brunton Park, don't they? So, yeah. I mean, we mentioned it before, but it's worth mentioning again. Defense is the key for them, isn't it? Four yeah. goals conceded in eleven games is quite an incredible record yeah um, I mean in comparison United considered 18 in those games um, yeah. but actually United have scored one more goal than them United have scored nine goals they've only scored eight goals in the 11 oh. games that that is where they've definitely got an issue yeah I mean they, they've got the fourth worst uh, attack we've got the fifth worst attack so <laughs> there's not much <laughs> given there is there really but uh, no. but I think I'd rather have their defence right now quite frankly so. yeah but yes um so yeah, that's Tramir Rovers. I think we're expecting a tough. We're expecting them to be right up there at the end of the season, aren't we? Now I think. Yeah. I don't know if you want to revise your opinion on what you've previously said, but yeah. Yeah, well, it's a long, strong, it's a long season, isn't it? So we'll see. I'm going to stick to my guns for now. I, I just remind you, Forest Green are still top of the league, and I predict them to be there. So there you go. <laughs> but then again, none of us thought Harrogate or Swindon were going to be in the top three at this stage, did we? It's, no. I mean, Swindon, the start they've had incredible. When you take away the defeat to us. Yeah. They've only lost one other game. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't have played them at a better time, really, could we? No, I think we would rather have played them then than now. Oh, God, if we played them now, they'd be beating us, I think. Yeah. Comfortably. But there you go. Um, let's move on to United then, Mike. Uh, injury wise, Josh Dixon and Magnus Norman are definitely both out of this game. Obviously, that's why we brought in uh, Mark Howard as a backup keeper, because I can understand that. A lot of people say, oh, why don't you put Breeze or Simons in there? It's like, when you're down in a relegation scrap, you don't want to be mm. bringing on a 17-year-old goalkeeper, however yeah. good they may be. We're not talking about lads here at Joe Hart level, are we, really? Mm. Realistically. Joe Hart was being talked about for a big money move before he'd even made his Shrewsbury debut. That's how good he was at 17. <coughs> so be realistic here. Uh, Rod McDonald, he missed the, the game again, didn't he? Because we didn't realise this. It was a concussion issue. Mm. It was mentioned, I think, in one of the pre-match interviews. So that should have cleared by now, you'd think. Obviously, it's been a couple yeah, of weeks. so. so. You'd think he'll probably be involved and probably be much needed in there, really, because I don't think uh, over the last two games the, the defence has covered itself in much glory in no. terms of uh, the way they've looked. Uh, I know they didn't play particularly well against Sutton, but then the whole team collapsed in that game, so there you go. Um, Joe Riley also missed out last week, didn't he? Unclear as to whether he'll return. We've not really got any update on that one. Um, what the hell does Gav do for this game? Obviously, he's caretaker charge. Eric Kinder's alongside him. I'm sure Eric will be more than happy to hand out a few bollockings knowing what he's like. Um, yeah. What do you do? Do you make big changes? Do you maybe say to someone like, do you look at someone like a Lewis Bell say, well, I'm going to give you a run here, lad. Go show what you can do. I'm caretaker. You know, I'm going to give you a bit of freedom to have a go. Do you? Do you it's a tough one, isn't it? Do you just make minor tweaks and just bring in your experienced heads? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for me, I say it every week, I'd like us to play some football. Um, mm. And... I think, you know, for the players as well, our prospective next manager could well be in the crowd. So yeah. it, it's, you know, down to the players to potentially impress him and say, you know, play me like this and this is how I'll play for you kind of thing. Um, yeah, f- for me, I'd, li- I'd like to see him do that. I, would, I, I don't want to see any continuation of what we saw on the beach. <laughs> Certainly not. No. 
No, in terms of the team, obviously, I think Jensen's likely to stick in goal. You're not going to drop him. You don't want to pee off Burnley too much, do you? Because obviously we did that with Hurst <coughs> last season and it didn't yeah. go down very well, did it? Um, yeah, I'd, I wonder. Right-back's an issue. I think if Mel... Oh, Mel has missed out, obviously, last week as well. I forgot to mention that. So mm-hmm. be interesting to see whether he's fit again. Um, if he is fit, I'd get him back in there straight away. I wouldn't mess about there. Yeah, I mean, Armour's struggling a bit of left back. Is it time to rest him and maybe ask Dickinson to do the job there? Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I feel if it's worth it. It's Dick, I feel Dickinson's one of them in that he's sort of like a wing back that's good at defending, but as a full back, he's not good at defending. Do you know what I mean? I, I like, think, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm interested to see him play there from the start and having been trained mm. to play in that role all week might mm. make a little bit of a difference. Essentially, I'd, I'd be inclined to possibly consider dropping Armour because I think that yeah. he really has struggled in recent games and it would maybe be good for him just to have a little break out the team and he can come back in a few games. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's that's a reasonable sh- shout. Um, I think in, but, in terms of centre defence, I think, I, 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 to be honest, I'd be tempted to possibly drop Corey Whelan and go with Feeney and McDonald yeah. if McDonald's fit. But I mean, Whelan can potentially play as like a sitting midfielder as well, which gives us an option he, if we want to do go up he, that route. He did get, he did okay early on against um, mm. Forest Green, but then he struggled a bit later. So I'm not 100 percent convinced mm. by him in that role. We'd have to see. Um, in, like I said, in, in terms of midfield, do you make a change? Eh? Do you stick with Clough in that number ten behind a Young as a striker, or what do you do on the wings? Do you maybe look to change it up a little bit? I think Gibson should come back in if he's fit. I think he's oh, one against thing. Do you go for a tour in there? Do you go for a Dickinson on the left wing, or do you? It, it's not a huge amount of decisions to make actually in terms of. I no. think Devine needs to come out. Of the team. I don't think he works at right back. If whatever happens, I'd get that oh, yeah. wheel, wheeling at right back if you have to. Yeah, really but I mean, so. you know, players like Torre, you know, he was completely out of favour under Beach. A new manager could it's see him in a big, completely big different chance light. For someone like him, it's a big chance yeah. for someone like him, definitely. Although, likewise, I, I do have a fear that we could get a new manager in, and he just wouldn't get John Mellish. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's he's not a traditional midfielder. You'd have one look at him and think, "Who's this guy?" And you know, he, he might. I keep saying this. He might see the final evolution. Well, stick yeah. him up front. Stick yeah. him up front. I keep saying it. <laughs> right, Mike, then let's get on to the match predictions that we've rabbited on for long enough. Um, first up, let's do Dan's predictions. He sent these in to me. So this is what Dan's predicting this weekend. Tricky to make a prediction for this week. Obviously, caretaker uh, management team in uh, Gav Skelton and Eric Kinder. We don't know if they'll stick to similar to Beach or will they mix it up. Uh, Tranmere struggled to score, but they are playing a bit better in recent weeks. I'm going to go for a tentative 1-1 draw. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Mellish, we need, we need something a bit reliable. Uh, he's probably most likely to uh, pop up with a goal this week. So uh, 1-1, Mellish scoring. Oh, there you go. Mike, what are you going to go for? I'm going to be bold, and I haven't done this in a few weeks, but I'm going to predict us to win. And I'm going to say 1-0, and I get... I, I'm sorry to copy you, down, but John Mellish, it's got to be, isn't it? Uh, well, I'm going to go even bolder than you. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Oh. I think a 2-1 win will get a late winner in this one. I think John Mellish will get one of the goals. And who else is going to get the other goal? Um, why not Louis Bell coming off the bench and scoring the winner? Mm. His first goal for the club. That's what I'm going to go for there. So there's the predictions for this week. 
Uh, again, I still need to get around to tallying up all the ones, but I'll do that at some point in the <laughs> near future. X-Files section, Mike. Uh, a little bit quieter than usual, obviously, because it was International Week yeah. this week, so weren't as many games happening. Um, in terms of goals and cards, I mean, that man again, Harry McCurdy, scored for Swindon, set up the second as well. He's having a great time, but he's still got a shit haircut with his daft little ponytail, <laughs> but just you just knew it, didn't you? You just yeah. knew if he finds the right club where he settles down, he, he would be a great player. Mm. He really would. Frustrating, but that, that's just what he's like, isn't it? Um, yeah, exactly. It's one of those ones I do wonder, looking at it and think, could a stronger manager than Beach took over, took one look and said, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a new deal. You're going to have to work your backside off to show what you're capable of instead of bombing him out as he did. That's what I did. Yeah, it'd be interesting, but obviously there's, there's always like the rest of the dressing room to think about as well. True. And mm. By all accounts, he wants to shopping things, but there you go. Yeah. Uh, Ashley Eastham, he scored another goal for Salford. I think that's about his second or third this season. Um, unfortunately, it was a 2 1 defeat against Walsall. They really are struggling, aren't they? Yeah. They're astonished how poorly they're doing, really. Mm. It really is. Um, Jamie Proctor, he scored a goal for Port Vale in their game against Sutton. Uh, it wasn't enough there. Did you see this, Mike? Fourth no, no. win for Sutton and Sutton scored the winner in injury time. Sounds like an absolutely incredible game, that one. Uh, mm. Really flying Sutton. Fair play to them. Uh, yeah. Paddy Madden scored the only goal in Stockport County's 1-0 win over Aldershot Town. And that man again, Chedwin Scott, he scored yeah. a goal for Gated in their 3-1 win over Boston United. Uh, in terms of other bits of news, um, first one was a bit of a... Um, worrying bit of news when it first emerged, wasn't it? Uh, Ryan mm. Bowman, he was subbed very early on in Shrewsbury Town's game against Ipswich Town last weekend because uh, he was suffering from heart palpitations. I'm sure I've read somewhere his heartbeat got up to something like 250 beats a minute. Yeah, something like that. Which is terrifying, really, isn't it? But mm. uh, I think he's having further tests now to see if there's any issues. But uh, obviously, we wish him all the best and hope uh, mm-hmm. he's back on the field playing as soon as possible. Um one that we uh, came in just after we recorded last week, I think on the Saturday morning, Clint Hill. He was appointed as a assistant boss at Hartlepool United. Uh, if he'd waited, he maybe could have put his uh, hat, you know, name in the ring for the uh, manager's job at, uh, at the Blues. But uh, yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because he he left uh, Bristol to be close to his family mm. in Liverpool, didn't he? So well, I think he said he had family issues, so I yeah. don't know. And obviously, he lives at. He lives in Highton, I know, because I've seen him on the mm. train before when I've come in. Might even be the Wirral, actually, so I'm not sure, but he was from Highton originally. Um, I mean, getting to Hartlepool by train is not actually... To be fair, there are direct services over to Newcastle from Liverpool, whereas try and get to Bristol from Liverpool is a pain in the backside, believe me. Mm. So, uh, you know, good luck, good luck to Clint. Um, ben McKenna, he's uh, left Farsi Celtic. I think he only joined him in the summer, actually. Uh, and he's gone to Clivero. I think there's a bit of money being thrown my, behind Clivero, so I think they might have even mm. paid a small fee to sign him from Farsley. And uh, the final lot bit of X-Files, Mike, uh, James Trafford and Jared Branfay uh, have both played for England under-20s in their comprehensive 5-0 win over their Czech Republic counterparts last weekend. Good to see two young Cumbrian lads getting international duty again. So there you yep. go. So that's it for this week's episode, Mike. Uh, thanks once again for joining me. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors, the London Bunch, Always appreciate the support they give us. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening as well and downloading. We're getting really good uh, reviews on uh, all the various podcast apps as well. So remember, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, you can do that on any good podcast app, whether it's Acast, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any podcast like that. 
just get yourself subscribed and remember to give us a five star review if you get the chance follow us on social media on uh, at Brunton Bugle on Twitter we're on Facebook the Brunton Bugle and obviously we post on the Be Just On Fair Not Facebook group and on thecumbrians.net um, yeah world map on listeners Mike I'm just going to have a quick look here and see if there's anywhere new on the list I don't think there is this week unless have we had Hungary before I can't remember if we have or not Ooh, I'm not someone, sure in, someone in Hungary is listening we've got a great Greek listener as well Hungary, Greece, and we've also got Jamaica. I'm not 100% we've had Jamaica before, so there you go. Is it Jamal Campbell-Rice? It could well be. Could well be. Maybe he's the one listening, or Cleveland Taylor. Out there, possibly. Mm. Um, But there there you go. That's uh, the World Math Listeners. Again, we'll do a full list of all the countries we've done at some point, because there's quite a few there, and we do appreciate the fact that People are listening around the globe. And actually, something we've got coming soon, we've got a, we've set up a little thing with ACAST. It's a, kind of a supporter thing. So what you can do is, if you want to, you can chip us a couple of quid. Just say thanks for doing the podcast. We don't, we're not demanding money. We're not saying we desperately need it. We just, it would be really helpful because there are hosting costs involved in putting together the podcast as well as the online studio as well that we need to sign up for as well. So if you can support us with just a couple of quid or something like that, it's hugely appreciated. We're not. We're more than happy if no one puts any money into it. It's just there, just in case you want to. So we'll stick that link up on all the social medias uh, over the weekend. So if you want to chip us a couple of quid, that would be spot on. Um, in terms of upcoming episodes, Mike, um, we're going to try and do a mini preview episode, aren't we? The Newport game, if we can. I'm not mm. sure we'll be able to fit it in because it's, it's quite a tight turnaround, and I'm actually up in Cumbria over the weekend, so I might not be back till late on later on Sunday. I'm not 100 sure when. So we'll have to wait and see with that. But other than that, we'll be doing one for the Oldham game, won't we? And uh, me and you are travelling up on the train for that one, first one this season, I think, travelling yeah. up to a home game. Yeah, well, it's my. I didn't go to a single home game last year or this year, so it's my first home game in a good while. Well, when would your last one be? It'd be a hell of a long uh, time, wouldn't it, I think? Yeah, it would It would have been... Uh, Was Presley still manager, probably? It, it might have been <laughs> under Stephen Presley, yeah. even, yeah. Because I know you yeah. did the, uh, the Walsall and uh, Oldham away games under Beach, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, there you go. That'll be a, that'll be a good trip anyway. So, um, yeah, uh, as usual, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. And up the blues. Up the blues. Star man, I've picked out Callum and Mac. Mac- Star again. Star man, I've picked out Callum. And- F- <laughs> Why am I struggling with this one, mate? Let me write this down because I'm cutting this bit out. I know you're going to laugh when I actually say it right now, probably. So. <laughs>